What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to my social life. This is the podcast where we teach you how to grow on social media by talking to people who have actually done it. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by Surf. And today is a takeaways episode. And if you're new here, what a takeaways episode is where I sit down and break down the most recent podcast episode of the week. And today, we're discussing my conversation with Wen Tran. And now Wen is a TikToker with over 2.3 million followers. She also has over 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. And we actually first connected on TikTok. I believe she commented on one of my videos and I was like, hey, like, thanks for the comment. Would you like to jump on my podcast? Because I think she commented on a clip I posted of a different guest. Um, and we went back and forth for a little while and she was finally able to jump on the podcast. So I'm super appreciative of her for taking the time to come on the show. I got a few takeaways here for you. So we're going to try and run through these as always bullet point style as fast as we can try and get you out of here in like 10, 15 minutes. All right. So the first takeaway that I had from my conversation with Wen is the fact that it took her, she told me, so she's talking about how, you know, she still doesn't necessarily feel completely comfortable making comedy videos, you know, her, how she got on a social media, she's been on social media. I said, like, I think this is around 2013. I think it's when she started her Instagram and she's doing a fashion, she's doing fashion content and getting on TikTok. She started to realize she had a knack for some comedy content and that that niche really worked for her. So she had to pivot her content from fashion to more focusing on comedy and she said, you know, she's still not fully comfortable on camera making comedy videos. And she's obviously more comfortable now. But what she said is that it really took her 100 to 200 videos to get comfortable making this comedy type content as opposed to fashion. And I think that's just an important lesson for, for you as as a content creator, you know, I think we want things so quickly now, you know, obviously we want the success so quickly. We want our content to look as good as it possibly could as quickly as we can. We want to be as comfortable as possible and natural as we normally are on camera as fast as possible, but it takes time. You know, now a hundred to 200 videos sounds like a lot. Now when was posting about three videos a day during this period. So she was, that was, boy, it was like six months though six months of three times a day and really six months isn't that much time in the grand scheme of your life. Six months isn't a ton. And so she was, you know, she's patient and she worked at it and it's getting the reps in and that's going to make you more comfortable. That's going to make your work better. That's going to help you grow an audience. It's just putting in the time and putting in the reps. Another thing that I thought that was interesting when she's talking about her content, this is my next takeaway is that, you know, she was saying how she was studying old YouTube skits that were really popular to kind of inspire her to create her TikTok skits. And I never thought about it in that way before, about how we're having a bit of a full circle moment here. You know, obviously TikTok has the comparison to Vine, you know, naturally. Um, it not You don't hear it as much as you used to when TikTok was first really starting to gain some traction, but the, the, the comparison is still there. Um, and I, there was a lot more skits on Vine that obviously was born out of YouTube. There's a lot of skits on YouTube around 2011, 2012, 2013, around when Vine started to take off as well. And so what I was saying is that she goes back and she watches these old YouTube skits that were really popular to see what's you know, to, to get inspiration. I just think it's cool how we've had, we've come full circle here and skits are popular again. You know, we kind of they weren't as popular in the middle, but now you see skits on TikTok all the time. And you know, it's a different way of creating a skit as opposed to a YouTube skit, but we're, we're back. We're full, we're full circle. You know, she's talking about strict parents and I feel like there's been other creators back in that 2011, 2012 time period who also talked about that. So it's just cool. And I never 
no one's ever made that link to at least to me before. So it really kind of like was like an unlock for me. I was like, whoa. And now it's got me wanting to kind of look and see what other past social media trends are popular again today. You know, it's just like fashion, you know, it comes it comes in, in waves it, and it's a, it's a cycle. Um, so I'm curious. I'd love to know if you know any other kind of trends you've seen from social media days past that are popular once again. Another place that she goes to look for for her inspiration is just from everyday life and, and experiences, you know, and I think that that's obviously a great place to look. And if you are, and it's like, it's, you will, life will influence you a ton and you will find inspiration everywhere if you're looking for it. You know, when I did, I did a TikTok sprint in March, no, sorry, not March, in October, where I was posting three to five times a day for the month. <laughs> I didn't, that volume wasn't fun for me. So I, uh, I kind of pumped, I pumped the brakes after that a little bit, but I was so focused on TikTok and coming up with TikTok ideas and ever and everything that I was finding ideas everywhere. I was thinking of ideas all the time because I was just constantly thinking TikTok, 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 TikTok ideas. How many times can I say TikTok? Um, that I was finding ideas everywhere. Everything was inspiring me with ideas. I'd listen to a podcast and I'd get TikTok ideas. And so if you're tuning your frequency to find these ideas, you're going to find them everywhere and you should let life influence you. And it doesn't have to be like, what you went on on your walk to work today, something happened and you turned into a TikTok. But it could be like you listened to a podcast, you read a book. Like, well, I, I'm a screenwriter. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that because I find a way to mention that often. And I find inspiration for for scripts all over the place. Sometimes it's it's just sitting down and coming up with ideas. Sometimes I'll write like 10 movie ideas just on a given genre just for fun. But sometimes I'll I'll read something, I'll hear something that will spark an idea. And so I just let life influence my scripts. And I have a list of like probably pushing 200, 250 ideas. And I don't like, obviously I do have those times where I sit down and write ideas, but a lot of it, it's just like, oh, that sounds interesting. What would that look like? And I just kind of like let my brain wander when I have like a little spark of an idea that happens in my everyday life, whether it be through a podcast or something I was reading. Um, another thing too, that I really, really, really wanted to talk about here in this takeaways episode is that when is like, she's studying how to write comedy because she scripts all of her TikToks. She does these skits, which then she then acts out and writing for comedy is so difficult. So, so, so difficult. The first, uh, using my screen right and the first script I ever wrote was a rom-com and it's difficult to kind of write comedic timing. I really don't even know if my script that I wrote is even funny. I ended up trying to, when I was trying to, rewrite it do a second draft i scrapped it because i kind of got lost in the middle of the script and i was so new i couldn't figure out how to properly fix it i had something i would like to revisit at some point um but i got lost in because writing comedy is tough and, and, and one's acknowledged that and she's reading a book i can't remember i think it's called how to be funny if i'm remembering off i should have written it down I, but i try to remember off the top of my head i think it's called how to be funny and so she's studying how to write for comedy to improve her tiktoks and i just think that's super interesting you know sometimes i feel as though there's there's a divide between kind of the traditional media and the digital media. You kind of have to be one or the other, but I think you can take lessons from those traditional media and apply it to your work today. Even if you're doing TikTok, like even traditional film structure, you know, like you kind of like your introduction, your rising action, your climax. And then obviously there's, I'm as I'm talking about, there's some stuff that doesn't apply to a TikTok, but you can still learn like how to, increase tension how to bring your how to invoke emotion like there's there's people that have been doing this for decades and you can learn from them and writing comedy has been happening for decades and even longer than that but so when is trying to apply 
that. She's reading about it. She's trying to improve her TikToks. And there's ways to do it beyond just making TikToks over and over again. That's a sim- that's close-ish to deliberate practice, which we've talked about on this podcast in the past about how if you just film TikToks over and over and over and over again, yes, you might be a little bit better, but if you're making the same mistakes over and over again, you're not going to be getting better. And so deliberate practice is actually finding specific things to improve on and working at it to improve those things. And so when is doing that? So I challenge you to find some things that you could deliberately practice about your TikToks, whether it be writing out better intros, whether, whether it be improving your, your subtitles, whatever it is, find something that you could fix about your TikTok and focus on it and deliberately practice it. And speaking of kind of Wen's attention to detail with her TikToks and the work she's putting into it, I thought it was interesting that she knows exactly how long she can leave a a clip in her video before cutting to a new a new scene. So she says she she, she has to have cuts every six to nine seconds at maximum. And she's jumping to a new a different scene. She'll still have cuts within those six to nine seconds, but she jumps to a new scene every six to nine seconds. So it's almost like micro skits within her greater TikTok. So she'll have like multiple tick like multiple skits for my training in one TikTok. And so six to nine seconds. And she even, I'm pretty sure she ran, referenced Vine and she uses Vine. It's like, you know, people used to watch Vines for about six seconds. So that's kind of her, her time frame. but she's got that down to a science. She knows that if her skits run a little bit longer than that, people start to lose, they get a little bored and her attention goes down. So she's got that down to a science. She's even studied how long a skit within a greater video can last before her audience gets bored. And then she said two, these next two things I thought were other, a couple other things that people that she said that I haven't really heard anybody talk about before. And one of them was, she was saying how TikTok weighs within the algorithm. They weigh a comment from someone who doesn't follow you more than someone who does. You know, if you're able to attract a new audience with a video, TikTok is going to see that engagement from a new audience. Obviously watch time is huge. If they're liking it, not as big a deal, but she said comments from other people. If you are be able to create a conversation with people who don't follow you and a new audience is interested in what you have to say with your video, TikTok's going to recognize that and push it out even further. And I thought that was really interesting was that comments from other people who don't follow you are more valuable within TikTok's algorithm than from people who do. Another thing she did, which I thought was interesting, was we talked about specifically one of her videos. She references BTS in the capture with like the Korean, the K-pop band. And she met, she references BTS in the caption, and then she mentions it at like near the end of her video. And what she did there is she was using her, her caption to increase retention by referencing something in the caption that a lot of people will be able to identify with or recognize. They're going to want to know where she mentioned. So if you're a big BTS and you see her mention BTS in the caption, you're going to assume that there's going to be BTS in this video somewhere. So you're going to watch that video for the ref to try and find this reference of BTS. And so I've never had anybody talk about using your caption to increase retention by giving a little teaser or a trailer or like almost an Easter egg of something you can find in that video that's going to encourage people to want to watch so they understand the caption. Obviously, it's a difficult game because you don't want your caption to be too random or someone's not going to pay attention and going to scroll by it. But if you can do it properly in the way that Wen did it, you're able to increase your retention by having people look for the reference in your caption in the video. And obviously, you're going to put it later in the video because they're going to watch for longer, which is going to increase your watch time. Next, when it comes to your, your TikTok page, you know, I, we were talking about brand deals very briefly and, and one was asking, you know, she wants to, she just, she's done a very important job of making sure her page is brand friendly. And I asked what that means, you know, assuming that it was going to be like swear words and mature content, which is obviously part of it. But she also said like, 
making sure you're building a genuine connection with your audience. Like if you're just using trending sounds, if you're just, you know, doing all the trends on TikTok, people aren't necessarily going to identify with you for you. They're going to identify with the trends. And so brands going to be able to recognize that, that you don't necessarily have a relationship with your audience. You're just very good at capitalizing on TikTok's trends. And maybe they'll still work with you, but maybe not. Right. And it's, if you have a gently, here's actually a little bit insider baseball as an influencer marketing manager. What I will do is I will look for people who talk to their audience, who have a relationship with their audience. I don't like, I don't know, especially with the nature of what I'm promoting with work right now, which is a Chromebook surf who also sponsors this podcast. And just for the record, I didn't sponsor myself, even though I'm the info, that was a thing that happened prior to me being influencer marketing manager, just for clarity, I didn't sponsor myself. But what I'm looking for when I'm looking at TikTok creators, I'm looking for somebody who um, who talks to her camera has a relationship with their audience because with the nature of what surf is, which is a browser extension, which rewards you for your browsing data. So you get paid basically to, to give your data. It's anonymous. It's a whole thing. We can get into it another time. There are also plenty of episodes on here where I've talked about surf, but with the nature of surf and some of the nuances with it, I can't have somebody dancing promoting surf. It doesn't make sense. So I'm looking for people who can actually talk, who can explain it in a good way, who are great creators. Um, by great creators, I mean, talented creators, you know, people who, it's difficult, I think, to do an ad properly. And so you need talented creatures, especially with a with a product as complicated as Surf. Um, but to that point is you want to make sure you're brand safe. And even if you're not, that's okay, especially when it comes to like the swearing side. Like that's what I think when I when I hear brand safe, I think of the swearing side and appropriate content, which of course, fair brands have the right to not work with you if they're worried about the, the association with your type of content. But what I do want to say with this brand safe stuff, which again is very important, it's an important thing to consider. And it's okay to not be brand safe. If you create content that isn't brand safe, you swear in your content, which I do all the fucking time. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there. But I do it all the time. I swear in my content. I swear in this podcast, usually once or twice an episode. Some brands might not like that. Some algorithms might not like that. But you need to understand that if that's who you authentically are and that's what you genuinely want to create, that's okay. There's just going to be trade-offs with the way that you want to create. And are you okay with that? You can't be mad at the brand. You are in control of the type of content you make. And if the content you are making is not brand safe, you can't be mad at a brand for not wanting to sponsor you. You're the one who decided to make that content. So it's okay to not be brand friendly. It's also okay to be brand friendly. You have to have the awareness to understand what type of content you're making and whether brands are going to want to be safe with that and be okay with the fact that a brand might not want to work with you. The last takeaway that I have here, I know we're, we're not getting out of here in under 15 minutes, but um, we'll be at, I'll wrap this up. This last takeaway here is when we was talking about like kind of like a down, down the line idea. She has to create an account, you know, where she grows, she's all the things she's learned to grow another account where she is not the face of it. You don't see her face at all. And I think that's interesting. Not because like the, I, it's not a new idea that I've heard and that's why it's interesting because I'm starting to hear more and more creators talk about this. And the first group I can remember talking about this was high on life who have had their co-founder Parker Huser, Huser, I'm sorry, Parker, if you're listening to this, I, anyways, I've had their co-founder Parker on the podcast in the past, you know, that was what they, and they were working on that back in like 2015, 2016, but here we are, you know, six, seven years later. I'm starting to see more and more creators talk about that, about wanting to keep the channel going, wanting to keep their YouTube channel, but not have it rely on them. It puts a lot of pressure. It can help combat, you know, to be the pace you can burn out. It puts a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations. You become a bottleneck. So I've seen a lot of creators now, not a lot, but I'm starting to see this grow as a trend 
where creators are talking about wanting to not be the face of their own channel or not being face of their, the, their main focus of their creation. You know, I've, I've heard about Leon Hendricks talk about this. You know, I'm pretty sure I haven't actually, this is a full, this might be a surprise. I've never actually watched a Mr. Beast video, but from my understanding, he's more of the host. He's not the attention in his videos. And so even like you could argue a David Dobrik vlog is like this where David's in it, but he's not the main feature, but I think David's still integral to the process of his vlogs and he would still remain the bottleneck because he has to film and do everything. But, but we're seeing this, you know, Leon Hendricks is a great example of this. He's got about 250,000 subscribers on YouTube right now. That's not going to stay like that for long guys, wicked smart. And I have complete and utter confidence that we could be looking at I, I think realistically they could hit a million subscribers before the end of the year. I don't know if that's going to be their focus, his focus and they, but meaning his team, I don't think that's gonna be the focus for that channel to grow, but he wants to rebrand that. He's talked about wanting to rebrand that channel and have him not be the focus. And I would watch, he's one to watch in space, Leon Hendricks. I highly recommend you check him out, but he's another person I've seen talk about how the fact he wants to adjust his channel. So he's not the face anymore. And this is something I'm, I wanted to highlight this as a takeaway from this conversation with when, because I think it's going to be a growing trend. We're going to see it more and more. And it's something to keep an eye on and something I need to think about more. Cause it's like, is there still creativity? I, yeah, obviously yes, there's creativity in that, but like, I don't know. It's just tough when it's like, you know, you started, you started creating videos because you loved making videos. You loved filming them. You loved being in them. You loved editing them. You loved creating the content and to pro like, it's, it's got me just thinking. And again, I don't have an answer for this. I need to kind of spend some time ruminate on this, but like, as you scale as a creator, does that start to take away all the reasons why you started creating in the first place? Is it taking away the part that got you into it? And is that, a, is that a necessary part? And is that, is, should that be the ultimate goal is like, you know, I love making videos. Should the goal be to not have to basically make the videos anymore? You know, I mean, it's, it's a lot. I, I have to think about this. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to just kind of sit here and pontificate out loud and just keep saying the same thing over and over again. I try to come to a, some form of an answer on this, but I just think that's something interesting that, that when talked about that I would keep an eye on as I've heard more and more creators start to mention that keeping their channel or having an account where they, they, it is their account, but other people are the face of it and not them. Um, but anyways, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave that with you. I'm going to let you think about that. I'm going to think about that. If you want to talk about it, you can DM me I'm everywhere on social media at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. If you do me a big favor, go and follow when as well on TikTok, YouTube, subscribe to her YouTube, follow her on Instagram. I'll make sure her socials are linked in the show notes down below as well. Um, I want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Whether you listen the entire way through or you only listen to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you for taking time to check this out. Um, and do me a favor. If you did enjoy today's podcast, be sure to leave us a positive rating interview share this episode with a friend and subscribe to the show i put up brand new interviews every single monday and a brand new takeaway sorry that's incorrect that's the old upload schedule put out brand new interviews every single tuesday and a brand new takeaways episode is an audio exclusive where i sit down and break down the most recent podcast episode of the week every single thursday as always today's podcast is powered by surf thank you once again for listening we'll talk soon